Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mike Van. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. Hey, Whitney. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm honored to have you on the show. I look forward to our conversation. Mike has been investing in real estate for almost 20 years throughout Arkansas and Missouri and has built a $6 million personal portfolio across multiple asset classes consisting of single family, small multifamily, apartments, and commercial properties. He has completed many flips, rehabs, and even a heavy lift, 7,000 per door apartment complex renovation over the last several years. In 2017, he began apartment syndication and has since been involved in the purchase of over 825 units in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Dallas-Fort Worth. Mike, honored to have you on the show. Give the listeners a little more about who you are, where you're from, and what your focus is right now. Right. Well, like I said, I appreciate you having me on the show. I uh, have, as you mentioned, been a real estate investor uh, for almost 20 years and started out like a lot of other people in, in uh, the single family, small multifamily, things like that. And and uh, over time, just decided to scale up, get a little bit bigger multifamily, some smaller apartment complexes, and so forth. And uh, you know, being in corporate America and having a full-time job at the same time and trying to do this, corporate America has made me realize uh, that I'm only as good as my last quarter. So, you know, that was one of the whys behind real estate investing initially was to create security and, and uh, wealth for uh, the future and also not have to rely so much on corporate America. But over time, you know, the fact that we, I feel we are blessed to be a blessing and I feel I've been very blessed over the years. And so more so than just the wealth creation that real estate investing can give you is the time freedom. Uh, that I value, uh, not only to have more time with my family, but also to give back. I mean, mission work is a big part of my life, not only, and we're heavily involved in the community here, but also uh, just started doing uh, some international work. I went on a few trips last year. And so that's really one of the big reasons why I like real estate investing and have kind of geared myself to hopefully retire myself from corporate America in the next three years. Nice. And I appreciate you sharing that as well. A lot of people yeah, I mean, it's a big push to, you know, do this job well and, and to uh, be able to have that time freedom, like you said, you know, be able to do, I have more time with the family and do the mission work. It's awesome. Uh, but, you know, tell me a little about that, your syndication journey. You know, what was the deal, you know, you all did recently? I know, you know, what, your partner we've had on the show, we discussed the deal, but I'd like for us to talk about that deal and maybe give us an update as well. But, but in case the listeners don't know, maybe, you know, give them a, you know, a little more background on that property uh, itself. Well, my partner Rodney Miller had been on the show uh, prior, and um, we I think we were just getting ready to close, or maybe had just closed on the deal at that time. This is a hundred unit C class property in a, a market just east of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a place I never would have imagined me buying an apartment complex in prior Oklahoma, a very small town. But the key factor that one of the decision makers in us pursuing the deal was this is home to one of Google's server farms. They had come in in 2011, I believe it was, and since invested over $2 billion in this community and have continued to expand their facilities, have purchased and built on to their existing facilities, purchased other facilities, built more, keep adding jobs. 
And uh, the market there, there just aren't enough places to live. And so everything there is pretty much uh, within 20 miles of there is uh, a full. So there's, there's not enough places to live. We saw you know, the, the fact that Google came in at the end of last year even announced a uh, several hundred million dollar expansion on this facility specifically. And then uh, later in the year, before they can even start this, announced an, a further expansion. And so, you know, there's going to be jobs coming into this community for years to come. And Google's not a standalone. I mean, even though we know Google's not going to go anywhere, there are other, uh, I think there's five Fortune 500 companies in this mid-American industrial park there. And so there's a, it's a diverse economy with a lot of jobs there and planned to, to be coming in the near future over the next several years. And so uh, that combined with the fact that the demand for housing there is uh, led us to go ahead and pull the trigger on the deal. I appreciate you mentioning just the, like having a diversified uh, job selection. Well, obviously, we feel like Google's going to be around for a while. But still, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable if that was like the pretty much the only main employer, you know, that there wasn't any other large employers as well. But obviously that they're building on, that's a great sign. Uh, you know, so tell me, why did the sellers sell the property? It's interesting. It was actually Mitt Romney's son is who we bought the property from. And uh, they are, are just kind of focusing more out in Utah area and uh, disposing of their assets outside of that area uh, in general vicinity. And they had sold some other properties in Wichita and some other areas here in the Midwest. And, and we're just kind of focusing closer to home. Okay. So, and just so the listeners know, Rodney's show was show WS199. Because you want to go back and hear, you know, more about the the property when they were in that process of of closing. I can't remember the exact process uh, if you all had closed yet or not, but you were close, I think. And so, you know, Mike, you know, let's talk about what's happened since close, and you know, some things maybe that's happened that were unexpected, and and what's happened, you know, since then. But so since close, you know, what kind of game plan or you know did did you all put in place? Well, the property was full, well, fairly full when we took it over, seventy seven percent, something like that. But uh, one of the things that we couldn't really or didn't really uncover was how many short-term renters were there. You know, we did a release audit and all that. And, and we knew that there were a certain amount of short-term renters, but there ended up being uh, a lot more than, than were actually shown clearly on some of the leases. And upon takeover, the day of takeover, when they, we did our, our unit walk, there were actually some people that I guess had moved out that hadn't been moved out on were there on paper, but not there physically. So we had a little bit lower physical occupancy when we when we came onto the property, which is not a big deal. You know, we uh, put our team in place and went to work. And then over time, we came to find out that the uh, the local manager that they had there in place didn't have a lot of rules, <laughs> and uh, people just you know decided they were done with their lease and no notice and just moved out. And so. Uh, I guess the thing I would learn from that is you can look at, at, at the lease files on paper and do your due diligence on that, but maybe ask better questions, more questions to get a, a better, clearer picture of what the true tenant profile is like. And so just be able to anticipate it a little bit more. I mean, it hasn't really hurt us financially. I mean, like I said, we were able to turn right around and, and get those units re-rented, but uh, because of the demand, you know, we were, our, were already rented several units at our Pro forma rents, which were quite a bit higher than the previous owner had had in there, 
we basically got them up to market. I was going to say, if there was that, that much demand, it may have been a blessing that those people moved out. Right. I absolutely. Got got some of the less desirable tenants out and, and That's right. moved our tenants in. So. so what kind of questions should we be asking so that doesn't happen to us? Maybe tenant concentrations with a lot of the construction that was going on there because of Google. Uh, a lot of the Google 1099 workers or, or the Google uh, folks that were coming in just on short-term contracts. Maybe ask, like I said, tenant concentration their specific policies on notices, uh, move out notices, you know, typically we have a 30 day notice. Well, there was no 30 day notice in, uh, or it wasn't being enforced. It was actually in the lease, but wasn't being enforced. So definitely want to know your tenant profile, concentration, um, employers within your tenant profile, and uh, be able to anticipate those types of problems. And not that you can really do anything about it because they're already there, but at least it lets you get a game plan around, around that when they do move out. So was the seller self-managing or was it an outside third-party management? It was a third-party manager. Basically, they just found some guy in the local community and um, had him come in. And yeah, he was a, a guy, a very stern guy. Uh, I mean, you know, he was kind of a fair housing nightmare, really. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we obviously didn't keep him on. But yeah, it was a third-party management company. I don't think there was a lot of oversight. I mean, th- these folks were other side of the country. This is a very small asset for them. And, you know, they admittedly said it was kind of uh, ignored somewhat. Uh, and they just kind of prettied it up a little bit before they disposed of it. But hey, it's turned out, it's going to turn out to be a great asset for us. Good. Tell me what's happened since close. Outside of you've got rid of the old manager and, you know, I'm sure you've got a new manager now. And what was the game plan with this property? Is it a value add? Is it, uh, you know, remodeling units or just getting better tenants? What did you all have to do to increase the value? It was more, sorry to interrupt you there, but it was more just going in. There were very few rehab units. Um, probably 90% of them had already had you know, full to partial rehab. So there wasn't a lot of CapEx to be done. Some, a little deferred maintenance on the exterior, stripe and seal the parking lot. That's actually being done today. And uh, you know, new landscaping, rebranding the property, putting, uh, we're, we're going to uh, add or extend the, the laundry facilities, make it a lot larger put uh, more grilling stations around the community and start holding. Uh, we just held our, our first resident event the other night, a, a barbecue, doing more of those to create more community there among the residents. And um, so we can get better tenants and keep them longer. Great. So tell me how you, how you hired another manager. Did you hire somebody personally that's, gonna, that's working for you all? Or did you hire a, you know, a, like a, a completely third-party management company? Right. So we do have a third-party manager, Trinity Multifamily. They're a large outfit. They manage about 24,000 units in 15 states, I believe. They actually manage one of my, uh, one of my other uh, complexes in Arkansas. And um, they have a, an office out of Tulsa. And so their regional came in and, and actually, um, when they posted the job, one of the vendors they had known for seven years was from prior and she wanted to get back home. And so she was the first one to apply. They hired her because they knew she'd be a home run and, and she has been. Great. So what are some things maybe she's implemented that, that the previous manager didn't? That, you know, that's been really key to getting this property operating successfully. Biggest one, I think, is a, a sense of community and a sense that the tenants, uh, residents, you know, she cares for them. You know, that was one thing I noticed at the event earlier this week is a lot of the residents, you know, they come up and give her hugs and, you know, she treats them like family. And, you know, that's one of the the core beliefs we have is this is a business, but I mean, these are people 
And just because they're maybe not in the so- same you know demographic as you are, then that doesn't mean they deserve any less. A clean, safe, affordable place to live, and we can treat them as, like we would treat our own family. Great. And what's the what's the hold period for this property? Uh, plan hold period is five years. Okay. And so, what uh, you know, is it the you know? Tell me a little more about how you all plan to increase rents or you know raising the NOI. What's the biggest way you all are doing that? So the expansion of the laundry room is uh, is one of the one of the ways. So there there are vending machines on property now that. There were no contracts. They don't own them. They just let some outside guy come in and put his vending machines there. And, and he runs them. He gets all the money. And they do own all the laundry equipment. But a lot of it, it well, there were four units down when I was there the, uh, earlier this week. So we're going to take out the existing shop, double the size of the laundry facility, and purchase our own vending machines. So not only will it be a nice, large, newer place for the residents to uh, come in and do their laundry. They'll actually have a place they can sit down and watch TV, you know, eat a snack, have a folding table there to fold their laundry. It'll be a nice value-add amenity. But at the same time, by getting working machines, first of all, but also uh, adding an additional four sets of of, uh, washers and dryers, we're going to create another probably $500 a month uh, minimum in other income. And you translate that at an 8% cap rate, roughly a $75,000 addition or increase to our property value. Nice. So you know, what's the plan uh, you know, going forward? Are you looking for more properties similar to this? Are you, are you all staying with Class C? Or, or what, what's your you know, desire as far as moving forward? Or maybe even you know, the type of uh, your buying criteria going forward? Right. Yeah. The uh, B and C is kind of our sweet spot don't really have a preference for one over the other just kind of depends on what deals come along and if they if they pencil out but b and c is is our primary uh, focus my partner carl supercrop is in the dallas fort worth area rodney miller is in the oklahoma city area i'm here in springfield missouri so we we have a wide swath of area that we can you know get to within a, a short drive so a lot of ground to cover and looking for deals primarily in those areas and then also deals you know in the some of the markets that are uh, direct flights. But there's been enough deal flow in this area that we can drive to that we haven't really had to reach out or get on a plane yet. Except for Indy. We have uh, we are a couple, pursuing a couple of deals in Indianapolis. Got in best and final the other day on a, on a $20 million deal. And uh, we didn't get it. So it's disappointing, but it's okay. It's a good market. So can you elaborate on, on why you weren't chosen? Well... <laughs> or do you know? We were, uh, I, oh, I know. We were uh, about a million over asking and we got outbid by 800,000. Wow. And it was primarily because the, uh, we did have a local partner on the ground there. So we were represented in, in the market. And Purchaser was also a local group. They were also someone that, were, that was vertically integrated. So they had their own construction company and were able to uh, you know, pay a little bit more because of the, the costing that they were going to have from having in house construction. And they had also lost out on the deal the previous time it was on the market. And so I think it was a little bit personal for them. Wow. Yeah. They put down uh, $2 million earnest money. $2 million of earnest money. Two fifty hard day one. Wow. Okay. Well, they wanted it, didn't they? <laughs> they did want it. And so, you know, um, we stuck to our fundamentals. We did what was right for us and our investors uh, by the bid that we put in and 
And you can't get emotional about it. You can't just go chasing the deal just to uh, just so you can get it. You got to stick to your fundamentals and make sure it's going to work once you do get it. Sure. So, Mike, you know, you've been in real estate for a long time. You've been in different asset classes, and you know, you've built a portfolio before you even got in syndication. You know, you were successful in real estate. What's been the the hardest part, though, of specifically the syndication experience for you or journey so far? Learning to be flexible. Uh, you know, that's one thing that that when you're investing in your own portfolio. You control everything. You're not dealing with partners. You're not dealing with investors. You're not dealing with you know. You're dealing with your guy at the local local community bank for the most part. And so, uh, uh, being flexible is um, one of the biggest things I can say uh, will lead to success. Is being able to navigate those those different channels when they when they pop up and uh, managing different personalities. Also, being persistent. I mean, you have to look at a lot of deals. You know look at a lot of deals before you find one that, that will actually work. And then once you find one that actually works, getting it across the finish line to win the deal. And then uh, beyond that, getting it closed. I mean, it, it's a, it can be a long, long arduous process uh, with a lot of hoops to jump through. And uh, so you just got to be, be persistent, be flexible. Don't take things personal and just... So I, I was thinking about you all working as a team. There's three, you know, three guys that are making this happen. And you know, tell me, how do you all communicate or you know and how do you all like stay t- on top of tasks you use some kind of special crm or task management software how do you all do that well currently we just use a shared dropbox file and uh we're looking at slack as well that's a little bit a little bit uh, more of a learning curve with slack so uh we may move there eventually but right now we're doing uh, just a shared dropbox folder we keep everything in there so we always have access to it we talk every day multiple times a day and when we're in a deal, we have specific areas that we will assign. You know, like on this deal we're doing in over in Oklahoma, I'm I'm more in charge of the operations. Rodney was in charge of the uh, legal team. Carl was in charge of investor relations, and so we uh, just kind of divide and conquer. Nice, I like that. Uh, yeah, and then you all can be focused and and know and know exactly what's expected of you. It's important, right? Right. So what's the what's your best advice for taking care of investors? Be transparent, under promise, over deliver, and always do what you say you're going to do. I think if you do those things, then you will be able to have successful deals, be able to have happy investors, and be able to sustain yourself in the business. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Love it. Well, no. prayer, persistence, and flexibility. Kind of like I mentioned earlier. I mean, you just got to roll with the punches sometimes and and stay after it because it can it can really beat you down sometimes. That and also um, balance, making sure that you don't forget the reason you're doing what you're doing, and focus on the people that uh, that you you know your family. It's easy to do. Get caught up in all this work. We got to get done, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Mike. I appreciate you sharing that. And and but but you know, before we run out of time, tell the listeners how you like to give back. Uh, mission work. That's my number one thing. You know, besides the freedom uh, to spend more time with family, freedom to uh, have time to do more mission work is is my big focus on freeing myself from corporate America through the the passive income that real estate offers. And do that. We're heavily involved with the community here locally. We, uh, you know, I do storm relief uh, here within the U.S., things like that. And then we actually did our first couple of international mission trips last year, and uh, one to Ecuador and then one to Brazil. Both were, and we took our kids, um, you know, both phenomenal experiences, not only for us, 
but for the, the kids and I'm sure they'll appreciate it more later in life looking back than they did uh, than they do now. But they had a great time. They were great sports and, and it was a phenomenal experience for the whole family. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike, for being on the show. Tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and get in touch with you. Well, you can le- learn more about our company at uh, tridentmultifamily.com, tridentmultifamily.com, uh, or my email is uh, info at tridentmultifamily.com. Great. Mike, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and sharing your experience in this, in this deal, what you learned uh, so far after closing. That's a lot of times there's things we don't expect that happens, right? And, and you know, and, and you have to roll with it, right? And hopefully you've prepared for it, but there's usually things that you can't prepare for as well uh, at times. But uh, but anyway, appreciate your time. Appreciate the listeners being with us today and, and every day. I hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me as well and uh, go to the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 